I'm Steve Fisher. According to a recent report by the Pew Research Center and others, people who are religiously unaffiliated, known as nuns, N-O-N-E-S, accounted for 30% of the U.S. population. That number is climbing and could reach more than 50% by 2070. Yet, there is still a need for community. Theism may be on the decline, but humanism is growing. Anthony Pinn is a professor of humanities and of religion at Rice University in Houston, Texas, and a secular humanist himself. There are a growing number of humanist and atheist communities. Some meet online, some meet in person, but again, there is a growing sense that humanists and atheists are creatures seeking meaning, right? That you don't have to be a theist to want life to be meaningful. And so you're getting this growing opportunity within humanist and atheist circles to forge community, to forge relationship, to forge connection. He's here to talk about faith and the lack thereof on Life Slices. Welcome to Life Slices, Dr. Anthony Pinn. I'm going to start with a question we start all of our guests. Who is Anthony Pinn? (laughs) Well, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to chatting with you. Well, I was born in Buffalo, New York. Moved from Buffalo to New York City, from New York City to Boston, Boston to Minneapolis, Minneapolis to Houston. I'm a professor of religious studies and a secular humanist. I don't know how those two things mesh, but we'll get, we'll get into that. So w- what led you to your field of study? Well, I started out in church ministry. Church was a strong part of my upbringing. And at a fairly young age, I indicated that I had a call to preach. So that started fairly young. And I was involved in the church uh, until I was roughly 24, 25 years old. At that point, I made a break and announced that I no longer believed I was a secular humanist. What is the difference between a religious persona and a secular humanist? I'll speak about this in personal terms. So as a religious person, and I, I, for me, the better term is a theist. As a theist, I believe that we were not alone in the world. There was a higher power that was concerned with our well-being and was working on our behalf. As a secular humanist, My understanding is we labor alone. There are no gods. There is no God. It's us trying to do the best we can do within the context of human history. There is nothing after death, so make the most of these years we have on earth. Oh, uh, no, there's definitely something after death. I'm I'm not a religious person, but I have to believe there's something after death. I don't don't know what it is. (laughs) I'm hoping it's just one big party, but it may not be. No, I think this is it. Uh-oh. Make no. the most of it. Don't waste any time. What is it that draws people to a particular religion? Well, there are a variety of, of factors. One, it can be an accident of birth. What is the orientation of your family? Right? Is your family Buddhist? Is your family Hindu? Is your family Christian? Is your family Muslim? And that will determine fairly early on your thinking about religion. For other folks, there may be a moment or a series of events in life that prompt them to think there's got to be more than this. And for them, the answer to the there's got to be more than this question might involve some form of 
religion. For other folks, it's a matter of getting along, right? That there is a social and cultural capital that is still embedded in religious belief in the United States. And on some level, believing gets them stuff, gets them connected, helps with the network. So that it's not unfounded to believe in the Powerball. That'll give you something more in life. (laughs) But I think for theists, the odds are better that God will reward good behavior than you're likely to win the lottery. Now, that's something that, that's always kind of bothered me, that, that God will reward good behavior. But what about bad behavior? I, I think according to a lot of theists, good behavior is rewarded, poor behavior is punished. For some of the more literal and evangelical Christians, for example, God rewards those who obey God's will and live accordingly with heaven. Those who are not in line with the will of God will experience hell. Now, I never understood why we are kind of forced into the religion of our birth family. It it seems unfair because to me, religion seems like it should be a personal choice of what speaks to you. And yet we are forced into one religion or another because our parents are practicing that or not practicing it. I wouldn't use the language of force. I would say we are socialized into a particular religious tradition. But for a lot of folks, they leave that tradition once they come of age, experience the world. And and if what they're taught within that religious tradition doesn't line up with what they experience in the world, they leave and find something different. There is always a sense of, I think, guilt when you change religions. I I went through it. I was raised in a very secular Jewish family. I never set foot in a temple until friends started getting bar mitzvahed. So I never really practiced the religion, but I was always impressed by the heritage and felt that, okay, regardless of what I do in life, I'm always going to be Jewish. So I married a non-Jewish woman, and she was very active in her church, and I got active in her church. So I got baptized, and I, I went to her church, even though I didn't necessarily 100% accept it, because there was always that part of me that kind of felt guilty. And so much of religion seems to be, especially these days, seems to be tribalistic. Even though many religions say you've got to love your fellow man, there's also that sense that, uh, but you, your, your position is here with us. Well, I'd say a couple of things. One, first, in terms of the guilt, religion is a significant cultural force. And so I think for a lot of folks, leaving religion isn't simply leaving that mosque, synagogue, or church. It's a question of, have they abandoned those relationships? Have they abandoned community? And I think that can have a kind of emotional element to it. In terms of hypocrisy, yeah, I I think there are ways in which theists don't live up to the best of their claims. But here's the issue for me. In the same way that theists don't live up to the best of their claims, humanists, non-believers, haven't always lived up to the best of their claims. So for example, being a secular humanist doesn't protect folks from being racist, sexist, classics, homophobic, right? It isn't a safeguard against stupidity, that there's just something about 
our human interactions, the nature of relationship, that whether one is a theist or non-theist, there is something about that community that involves the privileges of an insider over against the abuse of outsiders, right? That we tend to privilege the insiders. This is why some secular humanists can say, for example, religious people, they get what they deserve. If they want to believe a fairy tale, whatever harm comes their way, they deserve. For me, that is not living out the best of secular humanist principles and values, right? That this is a problem. But what safeguards this problem? What makes this problem reasonable? The assumption that insiders, those who believe what I believe, who act like I act, who do what I do, who affirm my understanding of the world are to be privileged over against those who don't believe, who aren't in line, whatever happens to them happens to them. But again, I'd say that is a problem for theist and for non-theist because the underlying commonality there is people and we are messy. And, and that brings up my other point, or another point for me. My, my ex-wife used to accuse me of being anti-religion. And I would say, I'm not anti-religion. I think the world's religions have some wonderful guiding principles. My problem is the humans involved in leading those religions, and that so much of it is hypocritical, as you, as you mentioned. Yeah, I break it down this way. I'm not in the business of closing down mosques synagogues and churches and other theistic or religious institutions, right? I I think there is something about our constitution that affords folks the freedom to believe what they want to believe. What I aim to do, though, is decrease the harm that theists do in the world and decrease the harm that non-theists do in the world. I found you on a Another discussion about religion in America and, and that uh, so many recent studies have said that religions are declining around the world and especially in the United States. First of all, why do you think that is that that people are turning away from religion now? I, I think there is a growing segment of the U.S. population that holds to no particular religious system. We know about this group. It is growing. And I think for some folks, they are leaving theistic orientations, theistic communities, or what we typically call religious communities, because those communities are not meeting their needs. So, for example, they are seeing inconsistencies between what those religious communities preach and what they actually do or encourage in terms of behavior. And that hypocrisy, some folks are just unwilling to deal with. They won't rationalize it. They won't overlook it. They'll look for a different way of finding meaning in the world. Is there a particular age group more than another that is turning away from religion? Well, I'm a baby boomer. And, and so it, it it seems that it's generations that have come after the baby boomers, Gen Z, millennials, for example, are moving in that direction in impressive numbers. And this is across racial and class groupings. That you have a growing segment of the population, again, holding to no particular religious commitments or religious community, but deeply concerned with issues of justice. And there's also a way in which these generations are rethinking and reusing vocabulary and grammar. So some of those who are claiming no particular religious affiliation say they are atheist and spiritual. 
Now, for a baby boomer, that's a that's difficult to reconcile these two. But for them, there is no difficulty there, in part because they are taking philosophies of life. They are taking ways of thinking and being and using them pragmatically. What elements of those meet my needs? What elements of those help me to be the kind of person I want to be? And that brings up the new phenomenon, and I'm I'm not really sure if it's a new phenomenon, it just seems to be getting more attention, of the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Explain what that is. Well, those are the folks I've been describing. Those are folks who claim no particular religious affiliation. So some of these folks are atheists, not all of them. Some of them are humanists, not all of them. Some self-identify as spiritual, and for them, religious institutions dilute and hamper a sense of connectedness, of relationship, of a profound sense of awe and wonder. And that's one of the things that fascinates me is that there we're looking for we're looking for a tribe. We are looking for someone to hang with, to to give us some kind of meaning to our life, even if it's just mirroring what we think. And that comes in in all these groups that are like there's an atheist group, uh, an atheist church. Which makes no sense to me. And, and I mean, I, I once dabbled with the thought of I'm an atheist, and then I realized it's just too much work. Too much work to keep denying God and having to document it and all that. And it's like, you know what, just be. And if yeah. there is a God, there's a God. If there isn't, there isn't. Well, you know, not all atheists fit within this new atheism camp. Not all atheists are preoccupied with disproving the existence of God for a whole lot of atheists like me. I'm a secular humanist, but philosophically, I'm an atheist. That is the starting point. But the real concern is how do we generate healthy ways of being together? How do we generate productive ways of living in light of the fact that it's just us? Now, uh, atheist churches make some sense to me, in part because I think one of the shortcomings of secular humanism and atheism has been they haven't provided people consistently a soft place to land. That is to say, they have undervalued the importance of community. They have undervalued the need to ritualize profound moments of life. And I think this turn to atheist churches or in Houston, a place like Houston Oasis, is all about people who don't believe in God still recognizing that we are creatures who seek meaning and that we ritualize profound elements of our lives. And they are attempting to do that in a way that doesn't require any attention to gods or God. So in these atheist churches, do they have some kind of a service? Or is it basically just a social group? Well, I'd say they ritualize their time together. So for example, there may be singing of songs, there may be readings, there may be a talk that is given. But it's an opportunity for folks to come together, to forge community in ways that are inspiring and in ways that provoke our better selves. Very interesting. And I'm looking for that. I would love to find that. Being older and single, it would be nice to have that community. And I just haven't found it yet. They all seem to be tied to some church or another. Oh, look online. There, there's a growing number of humanist and atheist 
community. Some meet online, some meet in person. But again, there is a growing sense that humanists and atheists are creatures seeking meaning, right? That you don't have to be a theist to want life to be meaningful. And so you're getting this growing opportunity within humanist and atheist circles to forge community, to forge relationship, to forge connection. Is it is it okay to believe that that God might actually be Groucho Marx? <laughs> what do you gain? Laughs, lots of laughs. Yeah, but if 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 God just toying with that, then wouldn't you have to deal with the death of God because He's no longer with us? Oh yeah, He's not physically here, but neither is God. Well, I, I think there are a whole lot of theists who would argue that there is a physical presence, that God God is infused in who they are. They, they are made in the image of God. And in a very real way, God's materiality, God's presence is lodged in them. Hmm. Interesting point. The, now, you said you're a secular humanist. Yes. So do you go to any kind of a gathering for a secular humanist? I go to some events, but I'm not a gathering kind of guy for the most part. I'm an introvert. And so I find gatherings difficult. They drain me of energy. For a whole lot of folks, they produce energy. They get them going. For me, they are difficult. I'm not a gathering type of guy, but I appreciate and I applaud those who find it useful. Go for it. One thing that really interests me, I know that late in my dad's life, I never really knew what my dad believed. He was very quiet. He just liked getting laughs. And so everything was a joke. But when it came to any kind of religion, as I said, we didn't go to temple. He didn't seem to observe anything until it was a high holy day. And then it was just kind of de rigor. You know, it's like, okay, we have to do this. So we'll do this. But at one point, late in life, we were passing a Catholic church. There was a big statue of a saint in front of the church, and my dad just pointed at it and said, I don't believe in God. And I, I was shocked. I said, really? I, this is the first time hearing that. And I was in my 40s at the time. I said, really? Why? And he said, well, after what I saw in World War II, I can't believe that God exists. And I know there are a lot of people like that, yet... There are a lot of people who can go through the worst misery in the world and still reach out to God. What is that? Is that in that in those people who can maintain a faith? Uh, my mother also said late in life, she said, I wish I could believe because I would love to have that community around me now when she was older. What you're pointing to, philosophers and theologians call the issue of theodicy. Simply put, it is the question. What can you say about God in light of human suffering in the world? And a whole lot of folks will look at the slave trade. They will look at the Holocaust and say, there is nothing you can say about God in light of this misery, that the only appropriate response is silence. There is no way to justify God in light of this misery. Yeah. Others will say, well, it's a mystery. God is good and concerned with us, and we just don't understand why this has happened, but God will make it clear. Others will argue it's a matter of righteous punishment. We have done something wrong, 
and God is correcting us. What we often hear that from evangelicals with respect to natural disasters. These folks got wiped out because they're not in line with God's will. Others will argue that this is God using circumstances to equip us with certain skills that we will need over the long haul, right? So there are a variety of ways in which human suffering gets processed. Some of those ways will generate a rejection of God. Others will motivate a more creative way of embracing God. So in a, in a secular humanist group, or in some of these atheist groups or whatever, what, what do they lean on? Each other. They lean on what they can, they lean on what is evident, what they can verify through experience. They lean on each other. So now I, I know that at one point I looked into uni, universal Unitarianism. Unitarian Universalism, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's probably why I never went because I kept getting it wrong. I appreciated the fact that they at least said, oh, we accept everybody and celebrate everybody. And I, and then other people have said to me, well, but that's like cheating. It's like not making a decision. But that's not quite what they say. There are moral and ethical codes. There are principles that the UUA, the Unitarian Universalist Association, is committed to. So it's not a free-for-all. It's a misunderstanding of their approach to say, well, you can just believe anything. Well, for them, that's not quite the, the case. There are moral and ethical principles that are central to UUA thinking. But they also understand themselves to be open to and willing to embrace the best elements of human thought and belief. And so you can be a Unitarian Universalist and be an atheist, or you can be a Unitarian Universalist and be a Christian. So the central aspect of that religion is not God. Well, it depends on who you're talking to. There are some Unitarian Universalist congregations that are deeply theistic, that are Christian in orientation, and they would say the guiding principle or the grand unity for them is God. You have other congregations that are deeply humanistic in orientation, and they would say, no, the organizing principle for them is not God. Actually, religion, when you look at the world's religions, and there are so many different factors involved and different tiers and aspects of those religions, like in, in Protestantism. Each uh, of the Protestant religions believe something a little different. They're basically the, the same, but there are differences. Catholicism, I think, is a little stricter in, in that regard. Judaism, you've got Orthodox, Conservative, and Reformed. You've got the Church of England. It's like Okay, if, if I want to just change the religion, I can change the religion as long as I can find people to go with me. Well, yeah, but we got to nuance it a little bit. So there's not Protestant religions, right? So Protestants and Catholics are all Christian. Right. You're right that there are doctrinal differences. There are a variety of differences that separate them. So, for example, Roman Catholic priests can't marry. Protestant ministers can't. Roman Catholic priests are male. Protestant ministers aren't necessarily male. So there are some differences, but they, they all have that undergirding allegiance to the Christian faith. They express it differently. And I think it's true that within the context of the United States, one of the freedoms that we've enjoyed is a kind of freedom of thought and a freedom 
of participation. You can move across these religious traditions and you attach yourself to whichever one meets your needs, or if none of them do, you call yourself what I call myself a secular humanist, an atheist. You know, you can do that un- unless you want to run for office as a Republican. Then you have to just adhere to one, one line of thinking. Well, it's not just the Republicans. I think within the context of the United States, there are, from my vantage point, unreasonable questions concerning the ability of someone who doesn't believe in God to be moral and ethical. I think it's flawed thinking on the part of U.S. citizens, but there is deep suspicion concerning atheists and humanists within this country, and not just Republicans. If you want to belong in a community, is it wrong to just kind of adopt the common thinking? Or are we better off with people who keep questioning things? I think we we grow through questioning. It forces us to reevaluate our answers and our answers will generate even better questions and better questions will generate better answers. And the process goes on and on. But again, I think we live within a context in which we have opportunity to shift our allegiances based upon how our needs are being met how our ambitions, our goals, our thinking in terms of community is being affirmed. If somebody came to you and said, I would like to find a religion, how would you advise them? I I don't think that would be a good question for them to ask me. (laughs) But I, I, I think on one level, technology has made this fairly easy. A quick Google search will tell folks what's available in their area. As you've discussed earlier, religion can be non-theistic. Sure. And it could just be a way to interact with others. So I make a distinction between theism and religion. Theism demands belief in God or gods. And I think for secular humanists and atheists, the critique is really of theism. But religion is simply a binding together. It's a recognition that there is something greater than the individual. That doesn't require belief in gods or gods. It it, it might simply entail an appreciation for community. Can you be a secular humanist and still believe there is something after death? I've not come across secular humanists in my limited time on this earth who believe that there is something after death. Right. I think the only way to nuance it for me is to say this that we continue to live in the memory of those who loved us and hated us, that we are still alive in the memories of those we leave behind. But that's it. That's as far as it goes. Think about that when I'm watching an old movie and realize that everybody in the cast and who worked on that movie is no longer with us. And yet they are. They're alive on screen. So it's kind of a continual living. So anyone who wants life after death should become an actor. (laughs) I don't know if I would say that. I I think it's as simple as having friends and having enemies. All of those folks will remember and keep you alive in those memories. I I hope I only have the former and not the latter, but you never know. (laughs) Is there a question about you or your area of expertise that you would like to answer even though I haven't asked the question. I think a lot of folks are thrown by the idea of a secular humanist teaching religious studies. And theists and non-theists are thrown by that. I don't see 
the dilemma there. That as a secular humanist, I don't hold to any of these traditions, but I do recognize that they have been cultural forces that have influenced and informed how humans have thought, what humans have said, and what humans have done for centuries. And I want to understand those cultural forces. But in the same way that no one would assume or demand that the professor who teaches a course on Marxism be a Marxist, why assume or demand that the person who teaches a course on the black church be a theist? I feel that everybody should try every religion at least once, just to see what's out there and to try to understand your fellow man. That would take quite some time to sample all of the religious traditions available to us and and use that as the measure of understanding members of this larger human community. That would be, that's a difficult task, my friend. It's a very, well, that's why I'm not doing it. I'm just saying <laughs> I think people should, but not me. I, I've gone to several, but after a while it gets exhausting. So I will, I will stick to the old movies. <laughs> well, Anthony, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This is fascinating. And I think we could talk all day, but I don't have all that time. So, <laughs> And I know you don't either. So. Well, it was my pleasure. Enjoy chatting with you. My thanks to Anthony Pinn for being on Life Slices and shining a light on enlightenment, with or without religion. There are plenty of places to find community, whether you have a belief in a higher power or not. Perhaps all we need is a belief in ourselves and those around us. If you enjoyed this program, please like us and subscribe on social media and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Life Slices is produced by Beatnik Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music courtesy of Feslian Studios.